On this episode of the 97X Rumblings from the Big Bush podcast, we talk to a music industry legend, Steve Leeds, who starts out with a story about how his path crossed with the former 97X DJ. After many years of doing radio promotion, I get a job at MTV. And my job is to help find the next VJ. That's a big deal, a VJ at MTV. I inherit the job, and I'm not exaggerating, I get a box. Maybe it's a size of a box of a Casper mattress comes in. And it's filled <laughs> with VHS tapes. Predis, my predecessor didn't do squat. So I take a shopping bag and I take home a handful. I'm, I'm gonna you know, knock this out. And I'm living in the city. And I bring home a shopping bag of VHS tapes. And literally, first tape I put in, Ron Poor. And it's Ron Poor on the set of a local TV station in the area. It's a puppet stage. And this puppet's dancing around. All of a sudden, Ron's head pops up. Hi, I'm a new VJ on MTV, blah, 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 blah. Well, I look at this and I go, this is a bad joke. So I sent a very nice no thank you note, which I did it to everybody. Well, Ron saved that note. And years later, uh, when he was living, his first house, I guess it was in New Milford, New Jersey, he has a bunch of people over from the industry and he's so proud. He's gonna show this tape. So he shows it to everybody. And here's the rejection letter from Steve Leeds. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, great. And I even mentioned to him the other day, I said, do you mind if I tell that story? He goes, oh no, please do. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you did. He would never have shared that with me. Oh, I'm so no. glad you did, that's awesome. No, but it was so, it was so wacky and so goofy. And I, at the time, I didn't know Ron Poor from, I didn't know him from anybody. Anyway, I, I, I really got to know or enjoyed the concept of 97X. I guess the times I was there, uh, Phil was the music director. I do remember a conversation he and I had at OXY. I don't know what we're talking about, something. And I mentioned, well, you know, it's only it only pays $200 or something. He goes, Steve, I don't know about you, but $200. It's not chopped liver. And I quickly realized that I'm in, you know, an OXY land and this is not made in market. And the family paid what they could afford to pay to keep that thing going. And somewhere I lost it. Doug sent me the, his rules of management because he thought I'd appreciate that. It was a, a list. I don't know where it is. I, 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 somewhere, I must still have it because I always thought it was very thoughtful and well thought out and really represented a... Uh, smart guy you know i wish today there were more people like he and his wife who ran media outlets i mean out now it's all run by big corporations and stuff but they were trying to do something different and unique and they cared about their audience and they cared about the sound of the station they cared about the employees and and the music they played and it was a very refreshing unique station in the world of modern rock i found this that i had kept and this is just an example. It's the 97X Modern Rock Cookbook, The Future of Rock, Roll, and Recipes. These, these recipes were submitted by listeners from the greater Cincinnati area, although I do see uh, Chad Smith from the Chili Peppers contributed a thing, and I guess the one of the uh, anchors from the local Dayton station, uh, the, the KEFTV. Yeah, uh, did the Jayhawks are in here? Too much joy. 
We, yeah, we did that when I was at the station. Yeah, we had, you know, station personnel, local personalities, some band, you know, members and, and, and people sending the recipes. Oh, wait a minute. Here's Dave's succulent sensational seven. That's me. Salad. That's me. Yeah, that's mine. Yeah. Wow. Oh, look at this. I didn't notice. Chris Novoselic from Nirvana contributed. Uh, mm -hmm. Oh, I thought it was pretty cool that people did that. I do remember one night leaving the station and I got lost. <laughs> And I don't know where the FI was. Um, I think I was trying to get to the airport. I think I had a, a room at the airport motel. Wow, did I get lost? I mean, back roads, dirt roads. Um, I, I, you know, I, I please don't be insulted, but I, I said, boy, I'm in the boondocks. I, I was really, really lost, and I had been given very specific directions, but I guess they weren't specific enough. I, I don't know. <laughs> We're just glad anyway, we didn't have a car-cal collision. Anyway, um, OXY was always a station that you could count on to identify music that wasn't bullshit. And they, and they would play legit good stuff. You know, it would it, they'd be in the vanguard. You know, other stations uh, around the country might be a little slower to add, you know, and put in rotation new music. But OXY was always there supporting the, the new music franchise. And I always hold them in a fond memory because... Nobody does that today. And back then, yeah. they certainly were a, a, a unique situation. And one of the questions we, I, I've been wanting to ask you when we got together is, I, I was a program director after Phil, but I worked with Phil. And I've always wondered nationally, did us adding a song, because we added so many songs compared to most of the other labels, at the, I mean, most of the other stations at the time, did that affect, did that, did that help someone like you or Mike Jacobs or, or any of those record promoters? Did that yeah, help yeah. you in the long run? Yeah, so everything has to start somewhere. OXI might have been considered a starter station, so you would always hope that OXY would be there during ad week. Um, mm -hmm. So from a national profile, did it like, Oh, KROQ added this record. No, it's not the same, but it was like, okay, so you guys got six new stations this week, and one of them was OXY. Okay, good. Because, you know, OXY wasn't a bullshit station. I mean, the, yeah, was it, what, did you guys play a lot of new music? Sure. But it was, it was legitimate, and the call letters meant something. It wasn't like, you know, oh, they'll add anything. It, was, it wasn't like that. In hindsight, and years later, I say thank you, Dave. <laughs> well, uh, and I'm going to say thank you because what you do now at Sirius XM has saved me so much. I've, I've found new music again because of what you have done at Sirius XM. Well, and I, can't, I can't take credit for it. I'm, I'm a cog uh, in the wheel. And, and uh, frankly, um, my job is more booking the talent as opposed uh, to getting the new music played. I often find myself frustrated with that, and at times I overstep that boundary, perhaps, and, and say to programs, you know, you ought to check this out. It's pretty good. Um, most yeah. of them tell me to go mind my own business. So, um, But it's in your gene. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. You know, I'm not a promotion man anymore, but genetically I was like, God, that's a good song. We should be playing that. So, you, yeah. you know what's interesting is 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 uh, uh, the volume channel. Yeah, it's written for old radio people like us. I love listening to that channel. The model for that channel is sports talk, so it's basically a yeah. sports talk station with music instead of sports. 
Mm -hmm. We're supposed to ask you one trivia question before we're done, uh -oh. and you can win a 97X keychain and a $5 <laughs> gift certificate at the Oxford uh, Kroger. Is can you name all eight members of Chumba Wumba? No, I, I I can't. But I will. One other thing I want to add: Doug found out that I was a big fan of Skyline Chili, and that was one of the thrills of going to Cincinnati. I could get Skyline Chili. <laughs> so on numerous occasions, he sent me a care package of the um, Skyline Chili preparation packages that you added with the meat and the tomato sauce and everything. But it was great. I, I even had. I don't know if I still have it. I must have it somewhere, a Skyline Chili uh, t-shirt. Nice. Because, nice. you know, and, and the thrill for me was when I got to go down to the west coast of Florida for the first time, I found out there was a Skyline Chili place uh, on one of the small strip malls. And I was like, I got to go there. I was wow, Skyline Chili in Naples, Florida. Yes. And then I found out there's a couple other outlets in, in Florida. So I always look fondly uh, cuisine-wise. I'm going to Cincinnati or, or Dayton and uh, having some Skyline Chili. And Doug knew about that. And on a number of occasions, he sent me, I mean, just a nice man. We Go look ahead. back on our time working with them as something special. You can't bottle it. And, and, and it, it came from Doug and Linda. And it, and it went through the station and went through the people that were there. And, and you're absolutely right. People like that are special. Thank you for all the things that you have done. Uh, for example, uh, the giving back, the scholarships, and, and, and you mentoring, uh, I, I think is fantastic. Well, you know, you you, you got to do that. I, I still, I, I am an adjunct at two different schools. So I teach at William Patterson, a New Jersey State School, and I teach uh, alternating semesters at community college, um, all about the music industry. And so um, it's become a big deal at a lot of the universities to teach music business or music industry biz. And so much of it is textbook, which is out of date the day the book gets published. But more importantly, I, I want students or kids who want to get in the business understand it's not a walk through the park. It ain't easy. I mean, unfortunately, there's no OXYs anymore that you can, you know, learn your craft. It's not a bed of roses and it's not all, you know, corporate iHeart intercom. It's you, you, you gotta you gotta pay your dues and um I don't, I don't like to mislead people, so I, I give them the, the straight poop. Steve, we kind of jumped in in the middle and talked about your relationship with 97X. But as we look back well, through, I mean, like you worked at WHFS in the 70s, and then you were Atlantic Records helping manage tours for, oh, just folks like the Stones and Zeppelin. And then, you know, like... Oh, somebody's been reading my uh, resume. Okay. I, I started out while well, I was a student at American University in Washington, D.C., and... Uh, my roommate had his girlfriend on there most weekend nights and put a tie on the door. Uh, uh, I meant, like, Stay we're getting away. busy. What do I do? So I wandered over the campus radio station, and this will show how old I am. I did the news, and I, I would, it would rip and read off the teletype. So that's how I got into it, and I clawed my way up to uh, station manager senior year. I also worked part-time at The Voice of America, producing foreign language broadcasts for uh, the Arabic countries and Cambodia. You know, this is, yes, U.S. propaganda. And I also worked as a gopher and eventually clawed my way up to the producer level for Murray the K. When Murray went back to New York and worked for NBC, I worked for him part-time there until 
uh, I heard the Atlantic guy was a screw up and that job might be open, but I didn't know how to go about doing that. In the interim, I had been doing overnights. While I was working for Murray the K at WHFS, he left, they gave me overnights. So I was making maybe $60 a week. So I went to my faculty advisor, I go, this sucks. This really, he goes, oh, you should go to grad school. I go, are you kidding? I just got out of here. He goes, no, no, you should go. And he, he talked me into applying to Newhouse up at Syracuse. It was late, but I got accepted on the waiting list. I couldn't get in today, but back then I was lucky and, and got in. So I was up at uh, Syracuse for a year getting my master's degree and I worked weekends uh, at WOUR in Utica. Anyway, I worked for Murray. I put on my suit and tie and I'm going to the Warner Communications building looking for my first job after, hey, I've got a graduate degree, I'm important. And in the elevator steps in this, this gentleman who was the head of college promotion at Atlantic. And he started laughing. And he was doing a suit? I mean, last time he saw me, he had, he brought in cactus and we're smoking big fatties and I'm wearing a tie-dye t-shirt and stuff. And he said, no, no, get off here. So he takes me off on the, that floor and introduces me to all the muckety mucks. A couple of months later, uh, I think it was Columbus Day, I got hired as the local New York rep for Atlantic Records. And I was fortunate enough to do that for a couple of years and then they promoted me to national and then they reorganized and I'm in regional. Then they, or, then they reopened the uh, ATCO Records and I was their national person there. And then I decided time for me to do something on my own. So I started my own company, uh, Steve Leeds Independent Promotions. The first project was George Thorogood. He uh, was on Rounder and Rounder had called me while I was still in Atlantic. We need to get somebody to do what you do for us. Do you know anybody? And I was like, no, sorry. And then I called him and said, hey, I found some. Who? It's me. You? Yeah. I'm going to have my own thing. So I think my first two projects were George Thorogood and Ian Matthews. And so I did that, what was I guess, for about four years. And then the payola hearings came down and nobody used indies anymore. So I went to work with Mike Lembo at his management company. I went to work with Lieber Krebs management company. And along the way, I met one of the runaways uh, who had just recorded a solo record in Europe and nobody in America wanted it. It was passed on by every major label, Joan Jett. Uh, and her manager hired me and he was selling records out of the trunk of his car and he would, you know, get a gig and he'd run to my office once a week with $200 cash to pay me for my services. And then uh, Boardwalk Records signed her. First single was uh, Little Drummer Boy. And I said, this is the stupidest fucking thing. You don't launch a career with a Christmas song. Shut up. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, okay. So it was a story in Billboard anyway. So I love rock and roll. What did I do? I got, I got hired by uh, MCA to be their East Coast head of A&R, signed Joan Jett, signed Barry Gibb, put out a couple of crappy records uh, that didn't go anywhere. And then Irving Azoff came in and fired everybody in the East Coast office. I, I, I was out of work for a while um, and went back to work with uh, Joan Jett and company. And then I got a phone call. There was a UHF TV station in Newark, New Jersey. And this was before cable was available in the tri-state area. And they showed scrambled movies if you got a particular box, decoder box. And Wormetco was the parent company, and they said, we want to show music videos, but, you know, MTV's got the thing on and nobody can see them. But they called, so they called CBS, Sony, whatever it was back then. And they were well, not going to give you any videos. Why not? I don't know who you are. I think that's somebody that maybe who knows what's going on. So 
they threw me in the mix and I was hired by Channel 68, which was great. It had a, a, a signal on top of the Empire State Building and a repeater out in Smithtown, Long Island. So it was 67 and 68. Anyway, they hired me with the saying that we'll give you a month's severance if something ever happens. And we, you know, I said, when do you want to be on the air? I think this is like a Tuesday. He said, well, I'd like to be on the air this weekend. Uh, really? So can you take me down to the tape library? Sure. They take me down the basement and there's this cavernous room, cinder block, big steel gray shelving, but nothing. I go, well, where's the video? Oh, that's what you got to do. Oh, well, luckily I knew the people at, at Sony CBS and they sent me a box of pneumatics. I think we went on the air with two hours of original programming that kept on a loop, kept repeating and repeating and repeating. And that went on, all the labels eventually came, and then we got on all the cable systems and an MTV through a fit and petitioned the FCC, and that was when the must-carry rules were thrown out. So basically, we were thrown off the system, so we gave out UHF antennas. If you go on Facebook, look up U68. There's like all these crazy fans who still talk about it and stuff. And we were on the air for about 18 months. We did a Nielsen book where we kicked MTV's ass because we were playing a lot of local stuff. Like MTV would not play Aha, Take On Me. And we just banged the heck out of it. But they had exclusives. They had to deal with the labels. So there were a lot of things we couldn't play. But then I figured out carrying some syndicated shows that didn't apply to those rules so there was nothing they could do i'm carrying this syndicated show if they show an exclusive video oh well anyway we had a good time in the meantime i had gotten uh, married and on my honeymoon on the way back i got right before the honeymoon i got a phone call saying we just played jason in the scorcher stop it around i go oh well that's the last video we're playing we just rolled to the home shopping network oh wow i came back from my honeymoon unemployed little wow. did i know though the guy was living in the dorms up by Columbia University named Lee, Lee Masters, Jarl Moen. And he was there with his sister and he saw it. So he hired me as a consultant to work with the, to improve the performance of the on-air hosts. And that's how I got into MTV. It became from a, a, a consultancy to a full-time job. And then I got hired away uh, by um, Polygram to be their video promotion person and alternative radio guy. And then I was wooed away by Doug Morris, who was starting a tiny label called Rising Tide. It's going to be a singer-songwriter label. And I said, oh, this will be good. Six records a year. Fantastic. And of course, I quickly found out, as did he, that the head of MCA got fired and they made Doug president of MCA, which morphed into Universal. And I stayed at Universal for about seven years till I got wooed away by Virgin Records. Uh, they were starting their East Coast operation and I made mistake of joining that and that lasted maybe 18 months and then i consulted what was then sirius satellite radio and about a year and a half into that they said you can't be a consultant anymore you gotta be staff and then a few weeks later they hired howard stern and morphed uh, into with xm here i am like 16 years later so that's the, the saga I, I guess i'm a survivor like people tell me shut up you're lucky you have a job um, most people, you know, after all this time are retired. Now, I, I don't play golf. I don't play tennis. I don't bowl. What am I going to do all day? I go stir crazy. So uh, I'm blessed and, and, and thrilled that I still have the ability to be involved with something that I feel a level of passion about. It's the music and helping new artists and, you know, just, just being the good guy. Yeah, that's exciting stuff.
And and I know Dave and I, we both have Sirius XMU or Sirius XM XMU is what I listen to a lot. I don't know how people listen to terrestrial radio now. They've done a good job of letting us win because they really, in most cases, it's bad. I mean, we have mm-hmm. a seven minute or eight minute cluster of commercials. Oh, come on, really? You know, now I hear that some of the modern rock stations no longer are playing Green Day. They've jumped the shark. And I'm just like, you know, know, listen, whatever. I mean, but still, they've done a really good job of uh, destroying their audience. (laughs) Well, it's good way to put it. Yeah. Thank you, Steve, for, for sharing uh, your your memories with us. We appreciate it. And uh, like I know at 97X, like was always looking to promote new music. And it sounds like you, you still have that passion for, for music at your heart, which is well, great. You know, just, just, you know, discovery is still one of the main things at Sirius XM, music discovery. And I think we all take pride in that fact that we still will be in the vanguard and, and play things before terrestrial radio. So, yeah. Thank you again, Steve. Uh, this is going to add a lot to uh, the history of 97X, and we appreciate it. Yes. I guess at some point I'm going to have to try your salad. Okay. <laughs> okay. Please do. Thanks. Right. 97X. Hi, Artie Fufkin. Hi, Artie. Paul and my records, how are you? Hey, how are you doing? Uh, you are Derek. Derek. Artie Fufkin, yeah. Paul and my records, how oh, are you? Artie. I'm your promo man here in Chicago. Oh, that's nice great. I love you guys. Yeah. Right. Good, and of course, Nigel. Nigel. I love you. Nigel Tufno. Right. I love your stuff. I go back with you guys. Boy, yeah. do I. Artie Fufkin, Paul and my records. Right. Yeah. I love you. And who are you, darling? Oh, this is my special new friend, Cindy. Hello, Cindy. And this is Belinda. Artie. Hello, Belinda. Artie Hi, Fufkin, nice Paul and my records. Promo. And I'm. Oh, what's going on here? Hi. Hi, guys. Artie Fufkin, Paul and my records. Nice to see you. Rumbling from the big bush. 